A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Well, I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Yes, that is right. I am pumped up this week for this episode of Two Sharp Reds. There's so much to talk about, but I suppose we need to start by saying I'm looking at Mark down a Zoom call where you are, Mark, in somewhere in Spain. I'm not 100% sure. I normally tune off when you start talking about how good Spain is. But you look so <laughs> tanned and sweaty, but then you've just got the fan going through your hair and it really looks like an 80s film clip. I, I love it. Yeah, I, I hope it doesn't blow too much of my hair away because <laughs> I haven't got a lot to, to, to play with, really, let's be honest, have I? You I mean, said it, not listen, me. Don't, don't put your hand up in the air like you didn't even think about it or, or that you're relinquishing any responsibility. I know what you're thinking. And just because you've gone and got a mullet haircut doesn't mean you can do and say whatever you like. Thoughts on the trim? It's um, interesting. It, he, was very, he was very respectful because I said, you know, I do some TV work and, you know, I can't kind of go out with something too crazy. So let's just do a sort of a polite mullet in many ways. And I think that's what I got. You know, I got a sort of, you know, nothing too out there. The, the bottom line is this, right? Mm-hmm. Are you happy with it? Yeah. Yeah. I would, I'd actually like it a little bit more mullety, to be honest. But yeah, I was about to say because you didn't you, that that response wasn't too convincing that you were completely satisfied. With I'd it. rather he did it like that than if it was just you know shaved right to the skin and just looked ridiculous. Yeah. At least now. What does you your girlfriend? Go what does your girlfriend think? What does your girlfriend think? Oh yeah, it's not been great. It's a mixed response. Mixed response. Has um, it? Because I said to her, "Yeah, I'll come back looking like the guy from Stranger Things," and she said, "Well, yeah, you got the hair like him, but you don't have the body." So yeah, it was a bit of a mixed review. Oh, oh wow! Ouch. <laughs> Uh, now, yeah. about 34 degrees, what are we drinking today? Is it, sh- come on, it's surely time for the famous uh, sangria. Surely. No, no, not quite yet. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off on that one. That's going to be, well, how hot does it have to be? Jeepers. Very. Well, for me, Mark, I've gone for, it's called a Segredo Lisboa. So I went to Portugal uh, for my first holiday after I've moved to, to England, like it was my first sort of, you know, cheeky three days away. And I absolutely, at the risk of sounding a bit too wanky, just absolutely adored myself, Mark, in just Did the you? most beautiful breads and wine and cheese and port as well, uh, huge in Portugal. Uh, and, yeah, and I absolutely loved it. And I just thought, you know what, I need to put myself in that head frame if I'm going to be speaking to you. Um, you know, so I thought I'd just remind myself of the good old days. So it's the Segredo uh, Lisboa today for me. Fantastic. Well, you know what? I, again, I'm going to stick to, to the region that I'm in. I'm in the region of Cardiff. Um, and I'm going to go for, for a wine in this area. And it's called Gurum. Gurum wine. It's a red wine from Cardiff, like I said. Uh, it's, I'll, give you the, I'll give you the grapes breakdown. Yep, so yep, Merlot, 60%. Syrah, 30%, and Petit Verdot, 10%. So, I mean, the Merlot gives it away for me. So it's, it's, it's really a wine that, again, you know, people who have been listening to the show will know that I'm a Pinot Noir kind of stroke getting towards a Merlot, but more so Pinot Noir, but Merlot I can drink. And I, I, I kind of learned early on that anything that's a Pinot Noir and Merlot is pretty, pretty good drinking for me at any time. I don't necessarily have to know the wine that well. Um, and, and this is a, a, an exciting wine. And it's a little bit more expensive than I would normally go for. What is um, it? It's, just, it's around. No, nah, it's well. No, it's around the ten euros. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. Okay. But it's it's a wine. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a it's a really nice wine, and uh, obviously I'm supporting the the wine in the local area. Good man, you're you're a real you're a hero, Mark. But let's get stuck into the football. I mean, there's only one place that we need to start, and that's Barcelona. Uh, they were so good against Man City. So, sorry, excuse me. Who was that again? Barcelona. Oh my goodness! 18 touches. <laughs> All 11 people touching that ball for that first goal. 
against Man City. It was brilliant. And then you messaged me straight after saying uh, that you reckon Emmy Martinez is the best goalkeeper in the Premier League that you've ever seen. And I couldn't agree more with you. Really? Yeah. Can, I, can I see that text message? No, 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 no. No, it's fine. I've left my, um, my phones on charge. But you did say it. Uh, he was pretty good no. again. Another clean sheet, Mark. Another clean sheet. No, listen, he's doing a fantastic job. I don't disagree with you. I'm, I'm not saying that he's, that he's not a good goalkeeper at all. On the contrary. And he's even talking about now being number one for Argentina. Uh, because of his performances at Arsenal, there's a strong chance that he'll take over that. I mean, Romeo at uh, Man United is not a regular. Obviously, Caballero at Chelsea is not a regular. So, Martinez now has an opportunity, to, if and when the national teams get back together again, that potentially he can start off as number one for Argentina. Uh, what did you make of the game in general, though? The stats were pretty alarming. You, you look at the possession that Man City had. It was a bit of a bombardment. But Arsenal, unlike most times that they play, certainly in, in recent era, their back four was their strongest part. David Luiz was you know great. What? Mustafi was great. It was strange. You know, the thing is, when you play against uh, Manchester City, you know that you're not going to have as much possession. I mean, obviously, it's different if it's, say, Liverpool against Manchester City. Um, you know, you, you, that kind of the possession is not too, you know, too far away from being 50-50. Arsenal are not at that level in terms of man for man. They're not necessarily, you know, they're still trying to learn the, 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 the new ways under Arteta. Um, obviously, personnel, you know, we're talking about a Manchester City side where Pep Guardiola has been there for four seasons. He spent hundreds and hundreds of millions of pounds on, on, on developing the team that he has. Let's not forget the first year that Guardiola was at Manchester City. You know, he, he tried to, to, to bring in his style right from the off. There were glimpses of it working really well, but there were also a lot of errors, a lot of goals that were conceded because of overplaying, being caught out. Arsenal have been a bit like that since Arteta's taken over. However, what I like about it is that he obviously became more pragmatic in the game against Man City. He realised that, you know what, we're not going to be, we're not going to have more position. You know, we're going to have to take our chances. We're going to bite our time. We're going to close shot, close down the areas, um, the space, make sure there's not a lot of space for them to play through, track their runners, make congest that area, keep the distance between your back line and the goalkeeper quite, quite short. So therefore, it's a lot more difficult to play in behind. So, and I think Arsenal did that really well. Obviously, you've got to have players that are performing well. David, David Luiz, Mustafi in particular, played very, very well. I've said it all along. I like David Luiz. The problem with David Luiz at times is he gets, he, he's quite emotional when he plays. He can get distracted. He can be influenced by other things that are happening around him. Rather than, when, rather than thinking or, or, or going, you know, rolling your sleeves up going, okay, my teammates are not playing particularly well. We're not playing particularly well as a team. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll my sleeves up and I'm going to put in my performance. I'm going to do my job. His head goes. And then we see, we see those mistakes. We see the rash challenges, you know, the, the sprinting out and being caught out of position. That's what tends to happen with him. However, when he's right, when he's on song, when he's disciplined, when he's got the right head on, he's got his teammates around him and they, and, and they make it very difficult for large periods of time. Arsenal were almost like a back three. So he was kind of that spare man. That's ideal for David Luiz. That's his perfect kind of uh, scenario. He can be very, very good. And like you saw in the way he can, you know, he was one of their outstanding players alongside Mustafi. And, and, uh, and, and let's be honest, that whole team played very, very well. Worked incredibly hard. Yeah, they did. It was exceptional. They've certainly earned their right to be in the final. They now take on Chelsea. So if you're worried that David Luiz gets emotional at the best of times, it's probably not the best opposition to be playing his old side in Chelsea. It could make for a very... Well, actually, I know it will, it will make for a very, very fascinating uh, FA Cup final. It will. Uh, and, and it's just such, a, such a, ch- a shame that there's not going to be fans in the stadium. You know, like, that's the biggest shame of it all, that the semi-finals are the final. Um, and, and maybe that an influence in, in the results uh, for, in, in both the games. Who knows? Uh, I certainly know that, you know what, listen, you, you can't... You know, so that game was played 10 times. Arsenal against Manchester City with the stats that, that came in with, you know, Manchester City having 71% of possession and, and Arsenal only 29%. You know, uh, Man City, I think, only had one shot on target. Those sort of stats, nine times out of ten, Manchester City would be more clinical. Manchester City would have had a lot more chances on goal and they would have scored. They probably would have won the game four or five, two, you know, normally. But Arsenal in the right, they worked really hard and they, they rode their luck at times. They got caught a few times playing out in the back. They got away with it. But they persisted and most of the time 
they did it well and, and they beat the press and that's where it caused uh, Manchester City problems. So it'll be a history making, uh, sorry, it'll be a history making final for either manager uh, in the sense that it will be their first trophy between Lampard and Arteta, both former players of their respective clubs as well. So I suppose there are a few, I mean, do you, do you get sucked in by the fairy tale? Uh, are you, cause I mean, you're a bit of a professional unlike me. I get swept up with that sort of stuff very, very easily. Will that play any sort of role for you as a, a sort of a neutral or, or, you know, what are you expecting as far as that storyline is concerned? Well, I, I, yeah, listen, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about the prospect that one of them are going to win their maiden trophy. I, I think it's pretty insane. You know, Arteta, it's his first job as a manager. You know, to go from Manchester City as one of the, the, the coaches, the assistants, to managing Arsenal and potentially winning that, you know, winning his first major trophy with it. And it's the FA Cup. It's not the League Cup. It's the FA Cup. You know, it's, it's the kind of the next best thing from winning the Premier League. Um, in, okay, Champions League, Premier League. But then, you know, winning the FA Cup is huge. For Frank Lampard, you know, it's his only second job as a, as a manager. Uh, to, to go back to the club where he played for so long. He's a record holder. He's a legend there. How exciting could that be, you know, potentially? I, I also think in so many ways, they, they, they kind of equally both deserve it. They've got their teams there. Um, you know, Frank possibly slightly more because he's been there since the start of the season. Mm-hmm. He's had to work with the group of players that he's had. He's had no, no opportunities in the transfer market. Uh, Arteta's obviously come at a time when he's also had limited opportunities in the transfer market. He's had limited time to work with his team. However, you've seen the influence that he's already had on the side. Um, they've, they've been, I think, overall, they've been consistently better. And you can generally see how Arsenal want to play. Uh, I think with Frank, how exciting it is for Chelsea, you know, supporters to see so many young players come through the academy. And I think he's been clever. I think he's been very clever and astute with, with the way that he's, he's handled a lot of these players. That he's not necessarily, you know, he's, he's, he's taken them out of the team at various moments. He's, he's given them a little bit of a kick up the backside at times when their form's dropped off a little bit. He's not afraid to make those big decisions, drop players out of the side, leave them out. You know, players are a bit disgruntled. He's, I, I think he's got an enormous amount of respect from the players. Well, and no one's, no I one's think safe in that team, are they, right now? I mean, Tammy Abraham was the next best thing since sliced bread at one point there, and, and Giroud's kicked him out of the starting eleven. But he's dropped off. You know, Tammy Abraham scored 16 goals. And listen, that, that, is, a, that is a great return in his first season as, as being a number, number one striker for the club. Uh, but I think it's taken his toll as well. I think he's he's struggled a little bit, you know, and, and, it, and it's only often it's natural that a young player that, you know, gets sort of thrust into the, into the limelight, gets an opportunity to play in the first team and hits the ground running and then all of a sudden there'll be a period where they drop off. They hit a brick wall a little bit physically, mentally. They, 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 they struggle a little bit and, and that's clearly been the case with, with Tammy Abraham. And I think it's great that, you know, he's still young enough He's obviously uh, has the respect from the manager and they, he understands he, his time will come. He'll get opportunities. But let's, let's be honest. I mean, Giroud has been phenomenal. Mm. He, I'm a big fan of his. You know, I, I can't believe he didn't play more football earlier on. And I think uh, his link-up plays is exceptional. You know, he has something slightly different to, to what, you know, Tony Abraham does. He obviously hasn't got the pace. He can't get him behind. But he's that link-up play. He's that linchpin in that, in that, in that uh, forward play. And I, and I, you know, we saw it with France. We've seen how important he is for France. And latter stages of this season, you see how important he's been for Chelsea. Yeah, absolutely. I thought his performance against Manchester United was, was pretty awesome. But I'll tell you what wasn't awesome, and that was Manchester United. Do I mean, how do you want to approach this, Mark? Do we talk about the elephant in the room straight away? Or do we build up to it? Or, or do I just need to say, uh, De Gea, hey now. No, what was I going to say? Hey now, hey now. Nah, it was just a. Uh, I've been, mate. I've uh, been trying that joke for about twenty-four hours, and it just didn't come off on the night, did it? Nah, Jesus, um, mate. You better go back to the drawing board because that, that was perfect. that was bad, wasn't it? All right, oh, I'll handball it over to you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, l- l- listen. I mean, firstly, Solskjaer got tactic got it tactically uh, got, it, got it wrong, right? So. They're on a run of, what, 19, 20 games without defeat prior to the game yesterday, and they changed formation. They've take, he takes Martial 
out of the side, Green, uh, you know, Greenwood out of the side. They've been flying. I, I know the okay. I know the last couple of games, maybe the performances have dropped off a little bit, but they're still getting results. They're still winning games. What worries me about Manchester United is that Bruno Fernandes has been exceptional since he's arrived at the club. Yesterday was one of his, I think it was his worst performance. I mean, I haven't seen every single performance that he's, that he's had under, uh, in a red shirt. However, for the vast majority, for me, yesterday was his worst performance. He looked flat. He looked tired. Um, couldn't get in the game. Partially because, tactically, Chelsea got it right. Closed him down really well. But also, I just think he was off. And what worries me is that he was off and every other Manchester United player were off. There wasn't a player on that side that took over the, the you know, took over the, the, well, the responsibility of being that leader to be that, that, that focal point in the side. They were all kind of going back in their shell again. Even when the substitutions were made, even when Martial came on because of they getting injured, changed the formation and went to a, to a back four, which I was surprised he took so long to make that decision. Um, Martial had zero impact. Then, early in the second half, after 2-0 down, they bring on Pogba and, and Greenwood. Nothing. You know, and, and that worries me. Pogba, of his stature, of his reputation, of supposed quality, zero impact when he came on the pitch. Um, no, no tackles flying in there. No trying to lift his teammates. There was nothing about it. And that worried me. And it, it kind of goes back a little bit. Even though Manchester United was so good for so long, that one performance already it raises so many questions. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I was disappointed in that regard. Okay, let, let's go into, firstly, tactically wrong. Performance wasn't good. They got caught too many times trying to play out at the back. They were consistent rather than trying to turn Chelsea at times. Man United got pace. Rashford up front. James up front. They, they got pace to burn. And then on the couple of occasions where they almost got through, you could see Chelsea were under pressure. They were, they were struggling a little bit to contain it. But they very rarely went to go long. And I, I just think sometimes at the back, you've got to mix it up. You've got to go and play long, turn the opposition. Then Chelsea, on a couple of occasions, will start to think twice about pushing so high and trying to close them down to prevent them from playing out the back. Then you gain a little bit more space. But Man United were persistent. They did the same thing just about every time and got caught out almost every time. Um, then... You've got a goalkeeper who is massively on the decline. There's no, there's no other way of saying it. Um, I, don't, I, I don't like criticising goalkeepers. Uh, I don't like criticising any player, but there comes a point where you've got to go, hang on a second, you can't keep making massive mistakes like he has, even in this one season alone. And it's it, without an influence in the game. And he clearly influenced the game massively. The first one is not so much, it's not a glaring mistake. It's not like you say, well, De Gea was, he made a massive mistake for the first one. No, he didn't. Where I think he got it wrong was positionally, firstly, he was wrong. He went too close to his near post. And then a keeper of his quality, his ability on the line, has to save it. It's a goal that I look at and go, I know I contradict myself a little bit and I say that it wasn't a blatant mistake. But he, should, had to, he, he has to save it. A keeper of his level, his quality, has to save that shot from Giroud. So then, you know, you kind of go, they, they kind of get away with a little bit, Man United, going only 1-0 down half time because I think they deserve to be down by more goals. But 1-0 was, was, I think, acceptable, even though they'll be frustrated to consider it so late in the, in the half. But then the second goal, it's unacceptable. At that level, in isolation, if it's a one-off, if it's only maybe his second major mistake he's made all season, then it's just one of those things that happens. He's just had a bad day. He's had a, he, he, you know, I've been there. I've done it. You know, I've made mistakes like that. And those things do happen. Um, the problem I have is he's just made too many. And he's cost Manchester United too many points, too many games because of his mistakes now. So what went wrong with that one in particular? I mean, it looked bad. It was in his near post, which just, couldn't really happen. But what went it's wrong? Not about, it's not about the fact that it was his near post, right? Because there's, there's this whole thing about goalkeeper can never consider his near post. That's just complete rubbish, right? Because you know there are, there are times when there are unbelievable goals scored at a near post. I look at it different angles, different positions, from distance, how far out the shot was. But this one is, yes, it goes in the near post. But it's a shot where when I look at it and I watch it in slow motion, 
he takes his eye off the ball. He doesn't even look at the ball. There's a point where he's down horizontally on the ground. His hands are there, but his hands are not behind the ball. He takes his eyes off it. And I just think he thinks it's either just a formality that he's just going to parry it around the post. And instead he parries it into the corner. And it's just a really, really poor goal. Poor goal technically. And, and, and there's no way of looking at it going, and then thinking, I can't see any other way of saying other than it's just a bad goal to concede, a bad, a bad mistake from, you know, from, a, from a, a top-class goalkeeper who clearly has fallen off the pace massively. So if you think it, he, if you assume that he was thinking this is a formality, right? You know, he's just going through the motions. That suggests that it's mental, right, rather than his actual ability. Yes, so I ask absolutely. you with the, with the first goal, now, I, am I might be reading too much into this, but normally, so you saw when, when Giroud flicked it in, it's obviously not gone and hit the back of the net, right? So it's trickled over. It's clearly went past the line at a certain point, but normally a more enthusiastic goalkeeper, someone who was hungry, would actually still sort of follow up and dive and, and get it. But he kind yeah. of just sort of sat there and went, oh, it's trickling over now. Yeah, Is that I, reading I too much too into close. it? Yeah, I think I think you're 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 kind of over analyzing it a little bit in terms of the distance from when Giroud touches the ball to the hair is quite close, right? Yeah. Um, so once the hair makes him throws himself, reacts like he does, even though albeit slightly out of position and also slightly slow, hits his hand, wasn't strong enough, wasn't big enough. I thought he didn't make himself big enough. Once he does that though. There's, there's an almost, there's such a small window of opportunity to react post that first initial touch. And because of the distance from once the ball hits him to where the goal line is, it's so short, there isn't actually any time left for him to react before it goes over the line, uh, in my opinion. Um, and and the, the problem for me is it, it's, listen, you know, you can, you can look at every single goalkeeper and go, technically, okay, there are there are flaws in everyone. I mean, I, I had it in my in my goalkeeping. Uh, you know, everyone has technical flaws, and I'm, I'm not I'm not, not going to say that De Gea has got a massive technical flaw because I don't think he necessarily does. What he has, I believe, is there's clearly a a mental issue when it comes to goalkeeping at the moment. His confidence, I believe, must be really badly affected, and there seems to be a kind of loss of concentration. Uh, distraction, maybe, maybe, maybe he's just so low on confidence that it comes across as if he's switched off, but he hasn't. He's just so low on confidence. Maybe he's lost belief in his own ability to make those saves, even though they're as simple as they are. Maybe he's, I mean, like I said, that second goal for me looked like he takes his eye off the ball, and it's just a basic mistake, which I've all, I've, I've also done, and I know what it's like. The only thing is, I would I'd have to say that I, I've never gone through a season where I've made six, seven, eight big mistakes like he's done. That's, that's cost you games that have led to goals. Um, and, and, and it reminds me a little bit of when Pepe Reina was at Liverpool towards the back end of his career there. You know, he, he was, had a phenomenal time there at Liverpool. He, he was, you know, he's a fantastic goalkeeper. But the last sort of 12 to 18 months, I thought that his form fell down dramatically. And he started to make quite a few mistakes, led to goals. And it's kind of reminiscent of that. And then he had to move on before he regained that top form again when he was at Napoli. And I see David Hare being in a similar situation. I actually don't see him getting out of this rut whilst he's at United. I think he needs to move on. Well, so my follow-up question was yes or no. Two things, yes or no. Will he play the final two games of the season for United? And yes or no, will he be at United in the 2020-21 season? I, I think, listen, the, the, the big question that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has got to, to answer is that he's backed him so heavily over the last, in the last couple of weeks. Like, even like as, a, as, as recent as last week, he said, he is my number one, he's the best goalkeeper. he's been brilliant since I've been there. Um, and he's going to break record. He's making, you know, he's playing his fourth appearance. So that was what three games ago, um, or two games ago. I think he's kind of almost dug a big hole for himself. And if he makes that decision now to drop him, then he kind of almost has to come out and go right. You know what? He's got to almost go. Yep, he's not. He's, he's had clearly a massive drop in form, and it has been persistent. And I believe I've given him every opportunity to try and get himself out of it. But 
I think now he needs a rest. And I, I would, I would think this is the time now he needs to leave him out of the side. The, the big question is, and listen, Oli Gordasolsha is in the best position to make that decision, and as well as the goalkeeping coach, is that how well is Romeo doing? I mean, there was a lot of talk yesterday that Romeo was going to play the game because he's been playing the FA Cup games up until this point and the, and the League Cup games. So was he then going to start the game and not uh, De Gea? But for whatever reason, he decided to, to go with De Gea. And I, I'm pretty much pretty sure that De Gea would have wished that he'd gone with Romero in that game yesterday instead of him. Pretty good number um, two, isn't it? If you don't mind. Yes. Yeah, he is. But the problem, the, the, other, the other concern is that he hasn't played a lot of football. You know, and do you thrust him into it now with two games remaining, two games that they really they got in their own hands. They win those both those games. They are Champions League. They've, they've made it. And, you know, that'll turn out to be a pretty decent season for them if they make the Champions League. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I personally believe it's time for him to move on. So, to answer the question, both of those questions is, I would, I would leave him out of the team now. And I think in the summer, he'd have to move on. The problem they've got is, He's on a contract that's worth absolute fortunes. And I don't see another club in the world willing to match his wages that he's currently on right now and take over it. I can't see it. I don't know anyone who would be prepared to do that. Halftime drinks here on the Two Shot Reds. And as we just take another sip of our beautiful burgundy. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Grape, I'll say now, I think we should probably toast to Leeds United who have made it into the Premier League for the first time in 16 years. Uh, as we've discussed, uh, my housemate is a big Leeds fan and just watching the emotions uh, this year has been pretty clear to me up until this point, not knowing many Leeds fans, you know, the serious heartbreak and, and how much this means to the club. And it is going to be fascinating, Mark, to see... What comes next? Because you know what the first thing out of my housemate's mouth was as soon as after he said, well, we better not bloody get relegated. <laughs> Could you imagine? But that almost sums up to me what it must be like to be a Leeds United fan. Because <laughs> you go, yeah, well, yeah. we made it, but let's not get too excited. Yeah, well, you know what? Listen, first things first, you know, you, you get over that obstacle, you, you make it into the Premier League. They've been trying for 16 years. And, you know, listen, I think Premier League is better off with Leeds United being in it. Um, now the big question is, what do they do? You know, do they invest? You know, do they? Uh, you know, I, I think they need to strengthen their side. I don't, I don't think necessarily. Listen, this, I'm not saying the squad's not good enough to keep them in the Premier League, uh, but to to have a legitimate chance, to I, I think they need to invest. They need to bring in some 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 better quality players, of course, um, and and that's gonna that's gonna be the tricky bit. You know, what they don't want to do is they don't want to do an Aston Villa. But on the other hand, they don't want to do a Norwich. You know, no. Norwich also blitzed the Champions Championship. By far, were the best side in the Championship. And look what's happened to them this season, you know. Um, that's what they don't want to do. So they're going to have to make sure they get it right. And uh, maybe, you know, what they don't want to do, they don't want to be in a financial, uh, in a financial mess if things don't go well and they get relegated. Um, but what they do want to do is they want to give themselves a really good chance to stay in the league. Well, the problem is, is that they've sort of, you know, it was a real boom or bust situation for them financially because they've gone in with Helder Costa where there was an obligation to buy for, for quite a, a fair fee. There was the Augustine situation, which will be interesting as well. So they kind of went, well, geez, if we don't get into the Premier League, we're, we'll be stuffed. So it will be interesting. But I've got two names for you. And I want you to tell me if you think that these are credible names that I think uh, would be perfect for Leeds. They need a goal scorer. Patrick Bamford, he's not going to cut it in the Premier League. Maybe off the bench, sure, why not? Wow, but, that, that's a big statement. That's mate, a bit he's, harsh. No, it's not, it's not. I've watched so many Leeds games this year and he is behind the pace at the Championship. He goes he's to the Premier 16, League. He's, he's scored 16 goals, right? Mate, trust me. Just on that I'm one. I'm just saying. I just, just he's saying. not, mate. He's so like. Uh, 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 look, all I'm saying is, wow, that's that's a big step. He's a step behind. Look at in Kenya. 
I mean, he was. I mean, obviously he started in front of Inkedia, but every time Inkedia played, he was clearly miles ahead of him. So I'm just thinking they need someone who can bang some serious I'm just goals. Saying. I reckon yeah. Tammy Abraham, given the fact that that you know Chelsea are going to have a few new, new names up front next season, I think Abraham to Leeds, and then the next one is they need a new goalkeeper. Who better yes. than fellow no, Argentinian? I'm not going to play that. Come I'm on, not please. No, Please. no. Saving no. yourself for crew, are you? <laughs> I think fellow Argentine of uh, Marcelo Bielsa, uh, Emmy Martinez. Mate, that is perfect. One of those two will happen. Either Abraham well, or Martinez. Arsenal, they're not gonna, Arsenal are not going to let Martinez go. No way. Because he's the best in the, no way in the league? No way in the Or why? <clears throat> uh, no, they're not, they're not going to let him go. Because... Why? What, are, what Arsenal, what, what every Premier League side does, particularly the top team, every team does, but the top teams are, are able to do it most of the time, is have two top quality goalkeepers. Yeah. And, and they don't want to, you know, who's to say that the same problem may ha- occur again next season? You know, that Bertrand comes back, gets injured again. You know, they, they need a, 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 a more than capable number two, backup. What do you want to call it? Yeah. And, and Martin is, is, is proving himself to be potentially more than a backup keeper. You know, and, and uh, let's wait and see how long, uh, you know, let, let's wait and see how long the, the injury is now at Burton Leonard. And let's see how, how well Martinez does now between now and the remaining of the season. You know, like he's got a FA Cup final to play in. Let's see. Let's see how he performs. Do you think one of those names will be in a Leeds United shirt? Listen, I, I agree with you. I think they need a goalkeeper. I, I, I totally agree with you. I don't think Martinez will be there. All right. Um, so, so will it be Tammy Abraham? Uh, uh, no, maybe, maybe. I, I think Tammy Abraham is more of a chance than than Martinez, but only only slightly. I don't think Chelsea will let him go, but I think he's slightly more of a chance. What about your mate Foster? If Watford go down, he he might be a shout. Yeah, he may well be. Yeah, listen, that could well be the shout. And and, and you know what? If I were if I were Leeds United, I'd be seriously considering that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you'd be looking at, you'd be looking at, uh, at, at a goalkeeping situation. So who's gone down? Tim Krul's gone down to Norwich. Probably, probably not. Uh, you know, if, if, if Aston Villa go down and Tom Heaton goes down, I'd actually be seriously looking at Tom Heaton as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you look at uh, Ben Foster. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? Something, uh, I woke up to some news, Mark, that really just started to make me feel like we had entered a new realm, uh, sort of more into the world of Monopoly, that Jude Bellingham from Birmingham City has gone to Dortmund and he's now the most expensive 17-year-old in history. I mean, do clubs just have more money than sense these days or what? I mean, there's a very real chance that he just wants to be there for the next three years, do a Jaden Sancho and then come back home. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but listen. What do you mean? Do it. What do you mean? Do it, James Andrew? You mean like set the world alight? Yeah, yeah, no, correct. But but are you going to justify spending so much money, and are you going to get the best football out of him rather than paying so much for him when he's say twenty three? Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, but look at look at look at their track record at Dortmund of identifying young talented players, bringing them in, and then totally. selling them for bucket loads. Yeah. So for them. It's just another, another uh, talented young player they believe has the potential and they believe will go on and become a very valuable member of their side. So I'm certainly not going to question Dortmund's uh, strategic uh, evaluation and strategic play on, on young players because their track record speaks for itself. Um, and, and obviously now people are even taking more note of, of how, how talented this kid must be if, if Dortmund are willing to pay £26 million pounds for him. So here's a question for you then. And obviously, I'm assuming that when you look at the track record and history of, of your career and Jude Bellingham, um, you were the most, you know, the, the, uh, the most expensive 17-year-old at some stage. But I assume, right, at some point in your childhood, there was a decision made from either your parents or coaches, wherever you were, that would have gone, okay, just a heads up, Mr. and Mrs. Schwarzer, your son could potentially be a serious football player. Like he's genuinely, you know, that, I'm sure you came to that crossroads. So how do you then not let that go to your head? Because if you're 17, you're all of a sudden the most expensive football, uh, 17-year-old <coughs> in history. 
I imagine yeah. that be an impossible task. But even at your level, I would have thought when you made the move from Marconi to Germany, there must be a... How do you physically do it? Is there... A, no, a right there's, a rude, there's a rude awakening as well. So, like, when I made my move, you know, so first and foremost, I was playing regularly in, in the old National Soccer League in Australia, which was the top flight in Australia, but semi-professional. So that jump from that level to professional football in Europe and the Bundesliga, the top flight in Germany, was huge, monumental. And I wasn't going as number one, I went as number two. And so it was also a real culture shock, even though I've got German heritage. You know, the, the minute you hit the ground, it's like you, you've got to prove to people because they look at you going, you've come from Australia. Australians even have footballers. Yeah, I've heard of one or two other people. Well, that's it. And, and zero. Otherwise, it's like you, you play that silly game, that cricket game thing or whatever it is. You know, that, that's what they remembered. That's what they knew. So for me, it was a, you know, a big change. I was 21 when I went over there. There's no doubt for me that, that he'll go there and yes, he'll be treated a certain way. The expectation and the pressure will be enormous on him because they've spent a lot, a lot of money on him. Um, but he also, they've got a track record of bringing in foreign players, young English players, James Sancho's there, as we know. Um, and they know how to deal with them. They know how to, to create an environment where they're, they're happy, where they're settled and that they can play and concentrate and play in their best football and hopefully producing even better football than what they have in the past. So I, I think in some ways you're right. How do you, or, or the question is, how do you prevent them from getting carried away from being the most expensive 17-year-old? How do you prevent them from being too carried away with the, the immediate spotlight that they're under? Um, I, I think you, you've got to surround them with the right people. You've got to continuously keep them uh, level-headed keep their feet on the ground. You've got to keep reminding them. Um, you've got to come down on them sometimes and say, listen, you know, that you've got to concentrate on playing your football and forget about all the other distractions that may happen. You'll get to experience that. You'll get to, to indulge yourself, whether it's cars, pop, whatever you want to do later on. But now it's about making it as a footballer because what you've done is you've made your first step. You've come from a team in the championship to now the top flight in Germany at a club that's monumental, huge. And the pressure of playing in front of the, the green and gold wall, yeah. the green and yellow wall, sorry, green and gold, green and yellow wall. Green and yellow. Is in, you, yeah, are green color, you, you are colorblind, so. No, but I'm just saying green and gold, like black, black and yellow. Am I saying, yes. what did I say? Green and yellow. Yeah, green. I don't so, know where the green came from. Wow. No, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of green and gold. That's why. Oh, uh, yeah. Company, man. Uh, yeah. Yellow and black wall. Yeah. So, what is it? What is it? 40,000 people on that one, one end of the stadium. Yeah. It's an insane arena, you know, like a, an amazing stadium, amazing, amazing support. So he's going to have to have adjustment. And I think, I think he'll be kept pretty level, level, you know, grounded by his teammates, by the club. Um, and they'll make sure, because Dortmund have had for a long time quite a young squad. So they've constantly had this battle of making sure that people keep their feet on the ground that there's discipline there, there's focus, and that they have success in the football field. So back to, back to my question about with you then, I would genuinely be interested to know, is because it would, of course, be a case-by-case situation in everyone's household, but are you aware of your parents just playing it down in front of you at all, like a little bit? Like just going, yeah, but there's still a lot of work you need to do, and then maybe behind closed doors going, geez, we... Mark's pretty good at this. Uh, I, I don't, no, I don't, I don't remember ever my parents ever thinking that. I mean, I know that or saying that. Um, I remember people saying that, you know, you, you, you keep doing what you're doing. You, you know, you stay here at this club at Mark at the time. You've got a chance to play on the first team and you've got a real opportunity to, to make a goal of it. Um, then playing for the national team. And it kind of, there were little steps along the way, but significant steps and turned out to be ma- massive steps. And then there's always that massive step coming up to, to going overseas. So one thing was, there was one part to make it in Australia, mm-hmm. to gain a name, to gain recognition in Australia, to reach the heights, trying to be the, the best of the best in Australia. Um, then there was that, that next step of then obviously playing in the national team, but also the bigger, even the bit, arguably even the biggest step was going overseas. Mm-hmm. And being in a league that was one of the you know, top four or five leagues in the world and some of the best players on the planet and 
mixing with them and trying to to hold your own and get an opportunity. And when you do get an opportunity, to take take uh, advantage of that opportunity. Did you have a uh, backup plan at that stage, or like a plan B? No. Really? No, no. That, that was you know that's the thing. You know, like the most sensible thing to do is have a backup plan. Of course, absolutely. You know, I, I say to my kids now, whatever they do in life always look for a backup plan. You know, what, what are your alternatives? You know, yes, that's your goal, but what's your alternative in case that doesn't quite come into fruition? Um, but I, my argument also is that if I'd had a plan B, would that have distracted me from plan A? Would have, I, would have I almost taken my foot off the, off the pedal a little bit and gone, oh, you know what? When the game gets a little bit tough or really tough and then you go, right, because I had no plan B, I got to the point where it was either sink or swim. Mm. So I was certainly didn't want to sink. So I did everything I possibly could to swim. And I dog paddled and dog paddled for, for ages to keep afloat. Had I had a plan B, and a genuine plan B, I may have gone, you know what? Plan A is a bit too difficult. And I'm sick of, I'm, 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 I'm sick of dog paddling. Hey, Mark, uh, just a final one here on the Two Shot Reds. Interested to see uh, that there will be no Ballon d'Or awarded this year, which is pretty frustrating news for Emmy Martinez. But who do you reckon are some of the other players that might have missed out? Do we feel stiff for these guys? Because I suppose if you can finish the season like and win a trophy, why, why don't, I don't understand. If anything, yeah, listen, they deserve no, it more. Think, yeah, if I think about it, Ryan, I look at... Um, Robert Lewandowski. Yeah. You know, the season that he's had, the number of goals he's scored, and obviously the Champions League's still to come, so we don't know what Bayern's going to do in the Champions League. But the amount of goals he scored this, this season is absolutely insane. 40-plus goals. Mm. So, I mean, if, you know, taking into consideration Cristiano Ronaldo has been been excellent since the restart, scored a bundle of, well, as in excellent in terms of goal scoring, he's been scoring goals again. Has he been excellent overall? I don't know. I mean, the problem we've had is because we had such a break, like from COVID, the kind of pre-COVID, a lot of it's been kind of forgotten. Yeah. And it's really difficult to think back that far and go, okay, who's, who's been outstanding? You know, who's had an amazing season? Who was on fire? And the one person's name that comes to mind is, like I said, Robert Lewandowski. Um, Thomas Miller has been insane. And then assisting 18, 20 assists in the Bundesliga, yeah. which is unbelievable. And any, anyone's, Jaden Sancho, um, he's had a phenomenal season. If I look at the Premier League, um, you know, Jamie Vardy at a Leicester side that, you know, let's be, let's be honest, probably been punching above their way a little bit this season. Um, maybe, we'll, probably, I think they'll end up outside the Champions League positions, which is, which is, a, which is obviously a disappointment to them and, and, and frustrating. But I think he's had a, he's, in terms of goal scoring, he's had a really good season. To, to be leading the goal scoring uh, uh, charts at this stage of the season with two games to go or one game to go, depending on who you are, um, is pretty phenomenal. Surely not in the Ballon d'Or race, though. You wouldn't have No, no, I wouldn't, no. I wouldn't say Demi Vardy, but I'm just talking about in terms of players who have played really, I think have done really well this season. Um, you know, Kevin De Bruyne, I think, before the lockdown was very, very good. Try and tell me someone else. Who, who, Jordan who's Anderson been great. Has been pretty good. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. You know, Liverpool didn't do particularly great in the Champions League. You look at, I mean, Ballon d'Or winner, listen, Ballon d'Or winner's got to be someone who's gone a long way in the Champions League. Yeah. If not one, being a big part in the team winning the Champions League, obviously domestically, domestically winning, winning the league and, and, and being a big part player in that. Uh, you know, it's not someone who's just had a good season in the league and not done anything in Europe like like a Jimmy Vardy. Obviously, I'm not saying a Jimmy Vardy should be part of the way. Absolutely not. But he's had a, he's had a really good season. Yeah, he's had a really good season, scoring the amount of goals he has. Um, okay, so if I'm gonna if I'm gonna say someone right now, I, I, I would say for a shout, definitely Robert Lewandowski. So it wouldn't it wouldn't come down to the big boys once again. Mm. It wouldn't be a Messi Ronaldo. No, I don't think Messi's had a particularly great season. I don't think Messi's been particularly that great this season. For a Messi. You know, like, listen, we're talking about the elite of the elite. Let's be honest. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that Messi's been terrible. He hasn't been terrible. But he hasn't been Messi of old, you know, of before. And he hasn't... I I don't look at the season and go, well, these last 12 months and go, Messi's been outstanding. 
or Cristiano Ronaldo has been outstanding. But if I think about the season just just gone now, or as it, as it's out uh, playing out, I think Robert Lewandowski has been outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, who else is there? I don't know. I want to hear people tell me. P- tell us who else has been get in touch with us. Who else yeah. has been brilliant? Yeah, who's been brilliant? Well, a reminder, you can get in touch with us on the Facebook group, Two Shut Reds by Optus Sport. Um, I did, I'm not sure if you're, you're not in that group, I'm, I don't think, Mark, but I posted that. Uh, no, I haven't, been, I haven't been accepted. No, I haven't I'll, been accepted. Yeah, well, you, probably a good reason. There's some seriously scathing stuff in there um, because in particular, I, I posted last week the Depop advertisement uh, of one of your playing cards for three pounds, if you don't mind. That's the biggest yeah. bargain ever. How good is that? What, no, actually, I thought that was a ripoff. No, that's mate. That is good stuff. That is seriously good. <laughs> I'm I'm so torn. Like I'm, I'm I'm obviously watching the item, thinking right. Well, what would be funnier if I just get it and bring it to our first face to face, two shut reds, yep. or do I get yep. it and somehow like just get it sent to your address, like as a bit of a stalker? Like that would be quite funny. As, as make out as if I've kind of ordered it, it yourself. Or... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, trying to like trying to embarrass me just in my own family or something. Correct. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't think it's going to work, mate. No, I don't think it's going to work. But I, I think what you should do is, yeah. I think you should actually get it yourself. Get a whole lot of them together, a yep. whole bundle of them. Come with a black marker pen and go. Excuse me, Mister Schwartz, could you please sign these for me? And, oh, uh, yeah. and I go like, shall I make them up to what's your name? Yeah. Uh, to Ollie. No, no, just just sign them. Well, no, you're selling them. And you go, no, 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 they're for me. They're for me. And I go, well, all right. What's your name? And I'll write two Ollie on every one of them. Has this happened to you or something? I'm, going get, I'm really getting the feeling like uh, this is it's a, just a, a normal. It's a normal kind of. It's more status quo, pretty much, at most uh, most stadiums, most training grounds. What, um, what do you prefer, yeah. signing something or a selfie? Oh, I I don't mind signing anything or, or, or having a selfie or photo take as long as for them. Uh, what I don't like is the ones that are selling them. Yeah, you know, and they're getting multiple, multiple things signed. If it's for them, I have no problems whatsoever. The problem I have is when they when they, they try and profit on it. So that's where it would come into an issue because as soon as you sign those cards, they're going straight back on Depop. So yeah, yeah, and then you'll probably get less money for it. Yes. Sorry, mate. <laughs> Exactly. You've, you've, defaced, you've defaced it. Oh, dear me. What have you done? Can you imagine that? That would be brilliant. Yeah. Hey, Mark, how have you enjoyed your red? Of course, yours is a blend of different grapes from the local area that you find yourself in. I've gone for uh, the Segredo from Portugal. It's been beautiful. Nice blend as well. Uh, how have you enjoyed yours out of 10? I've really, I've, yeah, game. I'm, I'm I'm an easy please, mate. I, I've really enjoyed my my uh, Gurum wine from Cardiff. Um, what's not to love about it? You know, it's a, it's a, it's got a vast majority of Merlot in it. It's a, a really easy drinking wine, and um, I love anything Spanish anyway. So it's a complete winner for me. Now, would you like to compare your wine, or would you like me to go first? I think you should go first, mate. Okay. Give me a little bit of time to think a little bit more about it. Happy, happy with that. No, easy done. So this one, a full, uh, a soft, full-bodied, ruby red wine. Uh, I won't pronounce where it's from, <coughs> but just know that it sounds like, go very on. exotic. No, 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 no. Give it a go. Give it a go. The Toriga uh, Nacional Syra, uh, S-Y-R-A-H. I want to say Syra. Yeah, I'll go with that for now. Sara and Tinta Ruiz grapes. So you tell me. Uh, grown in the heart of Portugal, <laughs> this Portuguese red blend has aromas of red fruits and spices that leaves a delicious finish. And I'm going to make this one very easy for you and very easy for the listeners. When you think of someone from the heart of Portugal with a delicious finish, starts with an R, and of course is Ruben Neves. Oh, did you like where I was going with <laughs> that one? That was... oh, oh, did I, did I hook, hook, line and sink here? A little bit. Um, Maybe a little bit. You know, the thing is, I've just, I've just read this thing about, um, about my wine, you know, right? Yeah. And it's got a... The one thing that just popped out to me is it's a very intense nose. Right. And the first name that popped into my head, I've already used before, you know, Michael Bridges. <laughs> is, he... It's a shame that I've already used him. It's funny that I thought of him too as soon as you said. I thought, I know where this is going. Yeah, but see, it's also it's it's a bit it's silky and it's palatable. So that's definitely not Michael Bridges because he definitely wasn't silky. 
and he certainly wasn't uh, powerful. With a big nose. I'm yeah. Trying. Courtois? Who are we, who are we going for? <laughs> you know what? That's absolutely fantastic. I love that. He's Is that better around. than yours? <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen, a very intense nose. There's no two words about it. Um, absolutely. You know, he, he's got some silky skills. Yeah. I have to say, he's decent yeah. with the ball at his feet. I have to say. Um, and he's also powerful. He's able to spring, get to those top, top, uh, top corners pretty easily. He's a massive, massive target in goal, really. He makes the goal look small. That's how big he is. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. You, you hit the nail on the head, none other than Thibaut Courtois. You can't tell me that's what you had. You can't tell me. I refuse to believe it. No, 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 I didn't. But Out of interest, you, you actually, who have you got? You don't have to go into it because like, clearly that's the better one, but I'd love to know. Who did you have? No, 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 I didn't have anyone. Oh, I, I really? Was still, I was thinking on my, on, my, on my feet, yeah. And when you said it, I just went, absolutely. No, that's him. Yeah, silky skills, powerful, absolutely. And it's a Spanish wine. It's not obviously it's not from Madrid. It's not from that area. But you know, he's in Spain, and he. I'm I'm sure that I'm sure he must like some red wine. Yeah, I'm sure he does. I'm sure. I, I mean, I'm never going to ask him on the show because this would come up in the first five minutes. That'd be. Oh my goodness, how funny is that? <laughs> uh, Mark, thank you. Very much enjoyed that episode of the Two Shot Reds. Make sure you keep safe, keep happy, enjoying that 34-degree weather and make sure you keep that fan on a very low setting because I don't want to be having... Well, I'm not even going to say it, but you know. You know what I'm going to say. No, so. no listen, we, just look at this, this Zoom call, right? I tell you what, though. There is movement. I mean, I, I, I've, got, I've got a big forehead, right? But you certainly have a big forehead as well. Do you, you have joined the... Yeah, you've joined the big forehead fan, uh, club. But I can sort of... I can hide mine. Yeah, but you can hide it only for so long, mate. Well, you say yeah. that, but I disagree. Because I asked when I was getting my hair cut. And they said, look at that. You've got no sign of receding hair whatsoever. Enjoy it. So, no, no, I'm not saying you've got receding. I'm just saying you've got a big forehead. Oh, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying you've you got receding You're saying I can't hair, hide it forever. No, but you can't, you can't hide your forehead. I could give it a pretty good crack. Well, you give it a crack, yeah. But the way you wear your, your uh, you know, the way you wear your bonnet, there's no chance. I don't know. I, just, I mean, look, to be honest, I disagree. I feel like that, I mean, that as a forehead, yeah, that's probably fair enough. But yours is, I mean, well, how much can you count of someone's forehead? Because it doesn't count if your forehead keeps what, going back to the, the back yeah, of the skull. Yeah, I was about to say, there's no, there's no line, is there, to, <laughs> no, to kind of distinguish, okay, where does it start and where does it stop? No. Yeah. Oh, well. Ouch. Well, I like a gentle ribbing with you just towards the end of the episode. It makes me feel good. makes me feel excited for next Monday. But I hope you enjoyed that episode of Two Sharp Reds. Please leave a review, leave a score, uh, and uh, head over to the Facebook group. Get in touch. Optus Sport. Two Sharp Reds. Enjoy. Mark, cheers. Cheers, mate. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 